0: A word today. Awesome. Uh, We're in a message series right now. We just kicked off last week called Kingdom Builders. And uh, this is really sort of, I think, advancing and working into this challenge that we've issued to our whole congregation for this year to make this, this decree, you know, this vow with God, if you will will be the greatest year of spiritual growth that I've ever had. What a great thing to pursue, right? I would grow more in my relationship with the Lord and my faith this year than I've ever done in my entire life up to this point. And uh, as we pursue that, when we think about how God has a purpose, He has a destiny and a plan for each of us, and he wants us to grow into that. He wants us to get stronger. He wants us to be spiritually mature like the cedars of Lebanon that are strong and planted and grow upright and bear much fruit, that they they can take the wind and not be uprooted and fall. Right? That's kind of a picture of God's uh, will and desire and design for our lives. And as we think about a purpose, a destiny, it's, a, it's huge. It's a massive call. I mean, it's, it's eternal. It's something that goes even beyond this life, and sometimes it's easy for people Uh, To get a little overwhelmed in thinking about the vastness of that. It's inspiring, it's encouraging, but then it sometimes can be a little overwhelming when it comes to what do I do here and now in this season of my life. And thank God, as we see the Bible instruct us how we walk out, how men and women walk out their destiny, we see that God leads us from season to season, He leads us from glory to glory, from assignment to assignment. Many of the great stories we see in the Bible, and we're focusing on one with Nehemiah, but there's so many, we see these great works of faith, men and women, and we could say that these these works were seasons, were periods, were chapters of their life. They weren't their entire lives. And so we have seasons to our lives. We have assignments, missions, if you will, that God wants to send us on for Him, and our ability to be spiritually mature, strong, perceptive, discerning, full of faith has a lot to do with how we walk out assignment to assignment, successfully completing missions for God and moving into new seasons and new things. Does that make sense? And so last week we talked about starting points because we're looking at just phases of an assignment, phases of a season and We talked about starting points and a beginning stage and just getting a burden and kind of praying it through and getting a release and being willing to sacrifice our own comfort for the greater things that God might have for us. That starting point, beginning healthy, beginning well is very important to getting on the right foot in an assignment or a chapter of our lives. Today, we're going to talk about taking action taking action, you know, there comes a point, and I hope you hear the whole series, because I, I don't want anything to be taken out of context. Last week, we said, you've got to pray, you've got to seek the Lord, you've got to get a burden, right? We don't jump out impulsively or in the flesh and get ahead of God. So we, we paid a lot of attention and, and esteemed a lot of value to that incubation stage of prayer, but that does not negate the fact that there comes a point where there is action that now needs to be taken. (laughs) Does that make sense? In fact, when you get to that place where now it's time to act, to not act and stay still actually becomes a disadvantage to moving forward in what God has for us. Helen Keller said, ideas without action are useless, (laughs) right? And so there comes a point where action is what's necessary. Proverbs says, a dream realized is a tree of life. So God puts dreams in our heart. There's a seed that begins. But notice the will and intention of God is to bring it to realization, is to grow it, is to move it, and is to bear fruit from that. So we've got to say, okay, there's a point where I have to, these vision, this dream, this assignment has to be activated. It has to be operative in my life. I have to be moving forward in that. So think about this for yourself. Are you at a point right now in a burden or a vision that God might be giving you where it's time to take action? It's time to move forward. It's it's not time to sit on it anymore. It's time to do something with it. But like many, maybe you're just a little unsure about what to do or how to move forward. That's fair to say, right? We find ourselves in that place often. I want to move, God. I'm just not sure how or what to do with this. We don't want to be reckless. We don't want to be impulsive. But we know something needs to be done. I think we can learn some things from Nehemiah. About how to take action responsibly and effectively. So, take your Bibles, open them up, and go to Nehemiah chapter two. And uh, we're going to read starting in verse eleven here in a second. But here's the here's the scenario. In chapter one, where we spent most of the time last week, Nehemiah gets the burden. Right, the people some people returned from. Jerusalem, and they tell him about the city broken down, the walls broken down, they've been burned with fire. He's struck to the heart, he's pierced to the heart. He laments, he prays, he fasts, he seeks God what to do. I know something needs to be done. And then he, God begins to mobilize him and he sends him, he releases him through the authority of the king to go back to Jerusalem and do something about this. Once he gets there, this is what I want you to really understand. Once he gets there, he knows he's getting ready to do something. But he's not specifically sure how the plan looks yet. That makes sense. Like he gets boots on the ground and then he begins to arrive, survey the situation, and then he begins to go into a second level of prayer, which is not the first level of praying through the brain. The second level of the prayer is beginning to, and this is actually the first point in the message if you're taking note, is to seek divine instruction. The God that gave the vision, I'm relying on to be the God that will give the strategy. Does that make sense? So open up to chapter 2, verse 11. He says, so I came to Jerusalem, and I was there three days. I rose in the night, had a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Keep that in mind. I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent, serp, uh, serpent wall and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates were, which were burned with fire. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. There was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. And then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. So he arrives here. The walls are broken down. There's destruction. He knows something needs to be done And before he begins to cast a vision and instruct the plans, he knows that he needs the plans. He's not just going to start spouting a bunch of things off. He knows that he needs to get direction from the Lord. I love this because he basically says, I I kind of went and took some time to myself. I, I took a walk with God, and I walked around the scenery of where I would be laboring for the next season, and I took it in. There's much to be said for this moment. Surely, the conversations with God, the instruction that he was receiving from God, we know because the instruction begins to be made clear as he reveals it to the people not long from here. But he says there's this moment, there's this time where I didn't even tell anybody quite yet about what God had put into my heart because I knew that it needed a little bit more clarity. I knew that it needed some substance. You see, strong leaders will be able to cast a good vision because that vision and those plans have been galvanized in their heart through a time of prayer. Does that make sense? I mean, it's, it's been marinating and, and saturating long enough where when it's time to bring forth the plan and the instruction, there's clarity and confidence that the leader can cast the vision with. And there's too many times that people are following leaders and they become aware of it where it's just there's hype and there's excitement, but then there's no follow-through. you you with me? There's no substance and there's no action. Nehemiah says, I'm not going to be that leader. I'm going to get with God. I'm going to get divine instruction for how to go about this and how to rebuild these walls. And then when that time is done, Then I'm going to get with the people, and I'm going to give direction. I'm going to cast a vision that I can do with clarity and with confidence, and people can feel that. Let me say something. When God mobilizes you, takes you into an assignment, there's a point where you're going to need to communicate it. You're going to need to have language for what God is doing in and through you and what he's setting your feet to. You've got to get with God and let him just sort of get that thing solidified on the inside of you so that when the words begin coming out of your mouth, it's already been internalized before it's verbalized. So many times that communication starts being given, trying to move things forward, and there's missing elements. It it hasn't really incubated long enough. God hasn't revealed enough to really take that and do something with it yet. And all I can say is that we just we become discerning people to know when that release is beginning to happen in us. Okay, God, I've got what I need now. Thank you. I'm ready to move. And so, missing pieces of information can be detrimental to executing effectively when we move forward. There was a story I read about one time where uh, an aerospace engineering department for a major airline wanted to test out the windshields, that they, the new windshields they were making for their aircrafts because they were having a lot of uh, problems with geese and birds hitting the windshields and cracking and breaking the windshields while in flight. So they designed and uh, created these new, stronger windshields, but they wanted to take them through a series of tests before they actually put them into flight. And so they developed this simulator machine and what the machine would do is it would fire chickens, dead chickens. It would fire them at these windshields with the same velocity and speed that they would experience in, in, in flight, right? And so they would fire in these chickens at these windshields and they came to the conclusion, I know that's kind of funny, isn't it? They came to the, you can see a bunch of birds just flying around. And they came to the conclusion that these windshields uh, will withstand this this pressure and this force. Well, then there was one of those high-speed rail lines that were developing some of their new rail cars, and they thought, well, we want to simulate that same test because we need to have those windshields be strong, and we're going to experience the same kind of things. Well, when they began to test, they came up with totally different results. The chickens were crashing through all of the windshields, and they were actually destroying everything even inside the cabin, the chairs and the, the equipment and everything. And so they were at a loss. So finally, they'd never, they didn't do this in the beginning. The, the rail car engineers reached out to the aeronautical engineers and said, we don't know what's missing, but can you help us? And the aerospace engineers sent back after they investigated their work one sentence, you need to thaw out the chickens. Who'd have thought? Oh, missing pieces of information can sometimes be detrimental. And I just, I I get so encouraged that we serve a God who will give vision, but he will also give strategy. He says, if you seek me, if you ask me, I'll reveal my plans and I'll make them known to you. We, we need plans and strategy from God that support the vision God is giving us. And, and this is the way we approach everything we do here at the church is God's already kind of given us a vision, a big vision that we're going after. But in each season, we depend on, we rely on, we seek that same God for the direction of the assignment at hand, and for the plans to be revealed and to be blessed. What I'm saying is that prayer is necessary at every stage. It just looks different through the stages. It's a weapon that we use in every interval of carrying out an assignment. And I just want to encourage you with that today, is that there is never a point in time where prayer gets put on the shelf. Prayer and dependency on God is necessary for the beginning stage. It's necessary for the action stage, as we'll see throughout the next week or two. It's necessary for the follow through and the completion of what God is is calling us to do. Prayer is important. I remember a story I read also about uh, an American entrepreneur during the Industrial Revolution. And he ran a business where there was this major piece of equipment that was needed for his factory to produce their goods. It was like the most important part. And one day the piece of equipment broke down. And they had mechanics and people on site trying to work on this, spending hours, and they couldn't resolve it. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. And the longer the machine was down, the the more the business was at risk. And so the the entrepreneur, the owner of the business, he was a man of faith. And finally he reached a point where... He didn't know what else to do, so he went up into his office, and he closed his door, and he shut the curtains. About 30 minutes went by, and after that, the door flings open. He comes flying out, comes running down to the machine, all excited. Everything, stop everything. Open this hatch, reach down, and check this part right here. He didn't even know what that part was, hadn't even heard of this part before. And the engineers and the mechanics that are there working on it are like, okay, well, we'll we'll give it a try. So they opened up this hatch. They looked down. Sure enough, this small little piece that was very inexpensive had actually failed. No one thought to look at it. They repaired it. The machine was back up and running, and then the factory was booming again. When the man was asked, how in the world did you know? He said, I knew nothing of that part or of that place in the machine. I simply went to God in prayer, and he revealed the answer to me. Isn't that awesome? I hope that we have moments like that as we are seeking God for direction in our lives. Perhaps your heart is full of passion, but you need a plan to get there. God's word is not deficient in anything. As we seek the Lord, as we pray, we spend time in his word, every answer, every solution, everything we need would be revealed through the word of God and through the voice of God that leads us in our lives. Point number two, as we're taking action, one is too small a number. And what I mean by this is that Nehemiah knew He needed to involve other people in the plan and in the work. He knew that this was too big for just him by himself to accomplish. When we're setting out to do a great work for God, there will always be the need and the design by God for other people to be involved and to play a part in that. God makes that space. He creates that room in what he's doing to bring people together, to play a part, to be unified and bonded in accomplishing that mission. And Nehemiah's journey, when he realizes the plans that God gives him and he begins to instruct the people, what's awesome is that he gives different people different assignments. And it's a lot of times based on skill set and based on passion and desire. It says that he puts some of them on the wall to labor and to build. But listen, it says some of them actually have a sword and a spear to guard the gates, and the nobles and the elders are there for counsel and continuous prayer. But Nehemiah sets direction to all of this. He knows we need everybody involved. We need other people to play a part, but he begins to give order and direct based on where people's strengths and giftings are. Uh, Nehemiah 4.16. Let's read this. It says, From that day on, half of the servants worked on construction, half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah. Wow. Wow. There's a great book by a guy named Jim Collins. It's called Good to Great. And he says something in there that I think fits right into this particular passage. He said, good leaders know that they need to get the right people on the bus and in the right seats. (laughs) And here's the thing. We need people on the bus in our lives where we're going and we need them in the right seats. You wouldn't rely on somebody who had a history of failed marriages to give you marriage advice. You wouldn't rely on somebody that couldn't manage their own checkbook to give you financial advice. That doesn't mean those people don't have a place in your life somewhere else. It just means that we need to understand the wisdom of having the right people in our lives in the right places to help us get where we're going. Uh, Two years ago, a year and a half ago, I guess, uh, God began to lay it on Katie and I 's heart that we were coming to a place uh, where in fact He was giving us is like this is an assignment really to, to, to go about, where we needed to form like a personal intercessory prayer team, a group of people who we could just let know what was happening in our lives week to week, in our marriage, with our kids, with the church, everything, just really a total open window to everything that's going on uh, so that they could be praying for us continuously. And this was so significant that there was almost like this, this hesitation, this, say, fear, a healthy fear of not listening to the Lord, that if we didn't do this, It was going to leave us very vulnerable for the new level that god was taking us to it's like he was showing us there's a lot more threat there's a lot more attack coming and i want to reinforce some of these prayer walls around you in your life and i need you to take action on this and so as we began this to pray about that we sought people out who we knew were the right people for that people who had a gift of prayer and intercession people who we knew we could trust people who we knew cared about us and our family and our lives more than ministry or anything else. And we were like, these are the people that need to be in these seats on this bus. And and I'm just so thankful now, a year and a half, two years later, I don't even know how we would have come through all the changes and transition and challenges that have happened Over this period of time, if it hadn't been for this team of people being assembled at the hour and the season that God revealed to us it needed to be in our lives. And I don't know what it looks like for you, but what I'm trying to say is that there are people in your life that are needed that need to be in the right seats. Maybe you have some vacancies, some open seats that need to be filled. Go about that prayerfully, but I believe God will help you fill them. Or maybe you've got some people who are good people, they're just in the wrong seats, <laughs> and they need to be in different seats than where they are. Is this making sense? We need people. One, John Maxwell says one is too small of a number for greatness, and what he means is, is that nobody is going to do a great work for God all by themselves. We need other people. And get an amen to that? And we gravitate towards our strengths. So, uh, and if you, if you are leading and you are leading a team or a business or an organization, it, it would be worth asking this question, right? Are the right people in the right places? Because when people are in the wrong places, what ultimately ends up happening long-term if they stay there for too long a period is that they become frustrated and discouraged because they're, just, they're not in a place to really operate in alignment with where their strengths and where their giftings are. So if we're leading, we need to, to know that this is part of the responsibility of leading is hearing from the Lord and, and getting people in the right places. If we're a part of a team and God is assembled and we're playing a role and God has used us to fill a seat on, on an important mission, be thankful that God has handpicked you and he has fit you for a specific role and a specific task because God knew that you were the person that was needed and that no one else was going to fill that seat. God has a plan for every one of us. Nobody is sitting on the sideline watching what's going on. We all get to take a part, take a role in the work that God's doing here on the earth to build his kingdom. Amen. And then point number three, the last one. It's hot in here. Anybody else? It's hot. I'm just, whew. I am don't know if it's just the fire of God or if it's just the temperature. Uh, point, <laughs> point number, a little bit of both. All right. Point number three, keep the main thing the main thing. And I want to spend the most amount of time here today in the third point. Because I think this is sometimes um, where we kind of get off track. When we're talking about plans and direction, we're talking about the what or the how to accomplish. But it's so important that we always know the what supports the why. Why? The why, why we're doing this, the main thing, keeping the main thing in front of ourselves and keeping the main thing in front of other people. What you'll find if you read through the book of Nehemiah, and I know I asked you to do that last week, so hopefully some of you did. What you'll find is there come points where the people start to get discouraged The people start to get fatigued, and they want to quit the work. Now, I want to tell you something. If we just showed up to build some walls, and the only thing that was in focus was building walls, I'd get tired and worn out after a while. What's the point in building walls? Like, okay, at some point, I'd be like, man, I'm really tired. I'm really wore out. We're working our butts off. Like, why? Just so we can put some walls up and look at some walls? That's the what, but that's not the why. You see, Nehemiah comes back repeatedly. In fact, go to Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, and he comes back repeatedly at these moments, and he keeps the why out in front of people. We're not here to build walls, people. We're here to restore God back into this community, into this city, and be a God who dwells among his people. That's why we're doing this work. It's not about the why. The walls are the what, but the why is what God is doing among us, and that reinvigorates them. It motivates them. It changes things. Oh, okay. I'm willing to press on now. It's not about building walls. It's about what God is up to and what God is doing here, and we Go on great works for God, great assignments to do things. Because the work is great, here's what you have to know. The propensity to get fatigued is also much higher because the work is great. And if we get caught up and our eyes get distracted and we just start to look at the what or the how of what's going on and forget the why that we're here to begin with, we can begin to grow faint in heart and want to quit want to throw in the towel and give up and walk away because the how isn't enough to keep us going, but the why very much is. Listen to what Nehemiah says. He says, I said to the people, verse 17, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been upon me, and also of the king's words, that he had spoken to me. And so they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. Hallelujah. Do you see how he keeps the main thing in view, and they stay emboldened and motivated and driven. He understands the importance of keeping the why in front of them. And I know I'm I'm well in tune to this, right? I mean, building bigger buildings and having m- more things, it's not enough of a motivation. When the work gets hard and it gets long and it gets tiresome, And we all experience fatigue physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And those things are not enough to keep us going. Maybe you're at a point where you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you're at a point where you're like, I can't go anymore. I can't keep doing this. And I'm not saying that every situation means you have to stay in there. There are times where something is shifting and moving. But what I am saying is possibly... You could be at a point where your eyes have maybe just shifted and you're just being consumed with the what and the how. And you need to realign your vision to the why that God set your feet to this path to begin with. What's the heart and what's the mission Building buildings, not enough to motivate anybody long-term, but reaching a generation for God, raising up game changers, seeing a community get set on fire, that vision very much is enough to keep us emboldened and impassioned and motivated to see the work through when it becomes tiring and laboring and intensive. Am I making sense to anybody today? We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. There was a United States admiral in the Vietnam War who received the Congressional Medal of Honor. His name was James Stockdale. And he was flying a mission one day during the Vietnam War, and he was shot down, and he was taken prisoner. He remained a prisoner of war for seven and a half years. He ended up getting saved and coming home, rescued and coming home. Lots of people who were captured and imprisoned came in and died, more died than actually came home. And James Stockdale was interviewed and questioned many times by people after he returned, and he was asked this one question more than any other. What was the difference between the people who made it home and the people who died while in prison camp. He said by my assumption, by my assessment. There was one primary difference. The people. Who ended up dying. While in prison. Were the ones. That set their mind and their heart. On a specific date of release. They said I will be home by Christmas. I will be home by my kid's birthday. I will be home by Christmas this day. They set a specific date in their heart and in their mind. And when that date didn't happen, it was almost as if they lost the will to fight and their spirit died before their body died. The difference in the ones that made it back were the ones who knew every day was about survival. The main thing was getting home to my family, no matter what the day or the year or the month was. The main thing was that one day I was going to return home, and every day I got up and I had the fight to survive that day until the day came when I was released. He's saying the ones who made it were the ones that were able to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is getting home. It's getting out. It's being rescued. It's not this day or that day or this month or that year when the plans don't quite work out the way that we hope they do. What do we do at that point? It's, not, it's in those moments that the what or the how will not be enough. We have to realign and recalibrate our eyes and our vision to the why behind what God is doing. What is the main thing that is at hand? What is the purpose behind which God is setting you out to do the work that he is setting you on? And the other thing we have to be aware of when it comes to keeping the main thing the main thing, and I feel like there's really just kind of a burden uh, in my heart for this particular point today, is when we do a work for God, And we take action and we're moving. Time goes on. There's always this initial excitement in the beginning phase. The starting point. There's always a lot of energy and excitement and anticipation. You might call that the honeymoon phase. Right? When the honeymoon phase is over and the journey starts to keep going. This is where endurance starts to be necessary. This is where having the main thing becomes really important. The energy and excitement in the beginning stage is meant for the beginning stage. And then there's more that's needed the rest of the way. But here's what happens, I think, for a lot of people. The honeymoon phase wears off. And their hearts and their eye become vulnerable to the temptation of being swayed to the next new shiny thing. Then all of a sudden, the next new thing that looks shiny, although it's artificial, and it will break when you get it home, <laughs> takes their eye and their heart off of the main thing. And then they begin to drift. Does this make sense? Might be in this, oh, this new relationship looks good, or this, this new work looks good. And, and all of a sudden, there's an, there's an abandoning kind of spirit that sets in, and we start things, but we never see things through. We, we begin things, and when the excitement wears off, we let them go, and we move on to the next thing that's shiny. And guess what? When we get it home, it's just going to break. It's going to reveal itself for what it is, and then we keep chasing the next new shiny thing. <laughs> what God begins in us, God intends to see it He is the author and the finisher in our lives I'm not saying we don't set out on things that are our own flesh that God never set us out on We need to get out of those places But what I'm saying is when God puts something in place and consecrates it and blesses it Then it's the will of God to complete the work that he has began It's not his will to see that thing just uprooted and abandoned And his people just move on to a bunch of new things all the time Oh, it's that kind of commitment and resolve that sees things through to completion that brings them to a point of fulfillment and celebration. And so we're meant to take action on the things that God is doing in our lives, the burdens that he's putting in our heart. He'll reveal plans to us. He'll give us ways and design to follow through. He wants to surround us with the right people to play the right parts in our lives. And I hope that's maybe speaking to somebody today that there's the right people that need to be in place to help you get where God is wanting to take you. Maybe that's what he's shaking up right now. But ultimately, we've got to get to a point where we're willing to take action. We're willing to step out in faith, get to moving the Bible says the hand of the diligent will prosper, but a lazy hand becomes impoverished. <laughs> Good work, hard work pays off. And When God is setting our feet to a direction and he wants to bless it, he will bring the reward and the fruit from our labor and it will be sweet. But we need him every step of the way. Hallelujah. And I just want to ask you this today as we close. Um, Is God and his plan right now the main thing in your heart? Has he won you over? Is his agenda the primary agenda? Because the way we get to the fulfillment of all great things that we want, that God wants to do for us is by following Jesus Christ. If we're not following him, listen to me, if you're not following Jesus in your pursuits, then you are wandering aimlessly. There is no direction aside from the direction that God gives us through his son and through his word. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And maybe that's the starting point now today. Maybe that's the place that you're in, that there's a, there's a passion and there is an excitement to do great things, but perhaps the, the reason, the why, needs to just be adjusted, to do things to serve God and to follow him, not to accomplish something in our own strength or in our own will here in this earth. You say, yeah, I, I do. I want to go all in. And give my heart to Christ. I want to follow him. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Or maybe, maybe you're in a situation where you you know the Lord and you have followed him before. But somewhere along the line, you decided that you were a better guide. And you were a better leader than following God and how things would be accomplished in your life. And you need to get back to a place where you're, you're walking with him, where he's the leader and you're following. You're not trying to lead things on your own. You say, man, I, I need Christ today. I want to give my heart to him. I want to get back to walking with him. I'm going to ask everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And you say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. Either one, to give your heart to Christ, born again, to be filled with His Spirit and be filled with His life, to be set on fire and on direction with purpose and destiny for God, or to come back to walking with Him closely. You're never so far gone. You've never made so many mistakes that you're outside of the arm and the hand of God to meet you where you are and welcome you back in say yes pastor I, I, that's me I want that today on the count of three would you just raise your hand and I want to lead you in a prayer today to give your heart to Christ or to get back to walking with him one two three all over this place God bless you ma'am God bless you sir yes ma'am God bless you just kind of shoot your hand up I can see you and then you can put it down okay God bless you ma'am Yes, awesome. Is there anybody else? I want to give my heart to Christ. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Praise God. The Lord is working on people. And Jesus says that nobody nobody comes to me except by the Father who draws them. And, And I believe if the Lord is drawing you right now, that you would sense that what you need to do is you need to yield your will to his and say yes don't resist that hallelujah is there anybody else all over this place one last time yes I need Christ I need to get back to walking with him all right, for those four people who raise your hand God knows right where you are get before him Picture yourself right now at his feet, at his throne. It's full of mercy. It's full of grace. Listen to me. As excited as you are about coming to Christ or coming back to Christ, I promise you, he is more excited that you're here. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I surrender my will to yours. Just picture yourself laying it down, like your will, your plans, everything. You're living for yourself. Just you're laying it down right now and letting it go at the feet of Jesus. I surrender my will to yours. Would you forgive me of my sin, God? Wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit that I may have your life living in me. I thank you for welcoming me into your family. Washing me clean by your blood. Lord Jesus, would you lead and guide my path? Help me to become the person that you've created me to be. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen, amen, hallelujah. Can we give those people just a round of applause, encouraging them? i want to close today with one last prayer and this is just, I'm just going to ask if if you need this prayer today and I suppose there would be a lot but are you at a point right now where you know you need to take action you need to begin to do something with what God has put in your heart, you say I need to be mobilized, I need to get to step in, I need to start doing this something with what God has put in my heart you say, I need that prayer today. Would you be so bold right now while we're just in the room? Say, yeah, I do. I need that prayer right now. Is there anybody? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anybody. Say, I, need, I am ready to take action, to get moving, to get started. In fact, if I'm honest, I'm pretty excited about it right now after hearing this word today, and I know that God is going to bless my path just receive this. In Jesus name Father, I pray that their steps would be ordered by you God. We know that you've designed a path and I pray that by the light of your word you would begin to shed that light on those steps and on that path. That you would make their actions clear. That you would bless their efforts. That you give them a boldness God. A passion. A confidence and a faith. To move out. To step into new things. To do a great work for you, God. Together, united, let us rise up and build. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet today and let's praise the Lord.
1: Come the sons and daughters. Fall with blood and lost in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son, Father, our God. We'll finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life. Grace rewrote my story. I testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come on, here we go. If I'm not dead you're not done, Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. No. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. No. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe this is my testimony, I'm dead to life. Grace rewrote my story, I testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony, this is my testimony.
0: people said let us rise up and build there was a response in their heart and then it says then they began to put their hand to the good work that God had for them to do and as you go I just want to encourage you God has a great work for you to do a great work for every one of us times in our world right now can look very dark but the people of God can rise up with a light that will penetrate and cast out any darkness that may exist around us the great work that God has for you to do it will be a beacon of light in the world around you amen May you go in the peace and favor of God. I pray that you're strengthened today. I pray that you're encouraged today. I pray that there is joy in your life and in your spirit today. I pray that hope would rise and keep rising in you, where you maybe found yourself hopeless or in doubt or discouraged. I pray in Jesus' name that be gone, that be left in the ashes, and as you walk out, you'll be full of joy, you'll be full of faith, and you'll be full of hope for what God has ahead for you. Go in the peace and favor of God. Amen. Have a great day.